It's Thursday, March 25th, and welcome to the New York Amsterdam News Podcast. I'm Cyril Josh Barker. My guest for this episode is Andrea James, who is the founder and executive director of the National Council for Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls. She's going to be speaking with me about the group's campaign advocating for President Joe Biden to grant clemency to 100 women within his first 100 days in office. Well, over 231,000 women and girls are incarcerated in federal facilities across the country. Black women are 1.7 times more likely to be incarcerated than white women, many of whom are serving decades-long sentences for limited involvement in drug and conspiracy offenses. The National Council wants President Biden to grant clemency to 100 women. The group says clemency is an immediate action Biden can take to swiftly begin the process for ending mass incarceration impacting communities of color. Andrea James is the founder and executive director of the National Council and is leading the effort to get clemency granted to 100 women. She's on the phone with me now to talk about it. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. How are you? Doing really great. Thank you very much for inviting us here today. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this is such an important issue. Well, I first want to read out these numbers to you again. Um, Over 231,000 women and girls incarcerated in federal facilities across the country, and black women are 1.7 times more likely to be incarcerated than white women, and many of whom are serving decades-long sentences for limited involvement in drug and conspiracy offenses. Before we get into uh, what's going on with clemency, uh, I do want you to talk about this issue first so we can kind of get an idea of what is going on exactly. Well, yeah, we are... Uh, our organization, the National Council for Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls, uh, started back in 2010 inside of a federal prison. Uh, we like to call them prisons as opposed to facilities because we want to speak truth into the language of what this issue actually is. And um, we sat in a prison yard in 2010 in a women's uh, federal prison in Danbury, Connecticut, and we heard the uptick in the need to end what the country referred to then as mass incarceration. And uh, Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, had just come out. Yet as women who were currently incarcerated in the federal system, we actually heard nothing about us. We heard nothing about the fact that we were predominantly black women. Uh, Most of the women, not myself, I was a former lawyer who was there uh, convicted of wire fraud uh, 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 under a mortgage um, uh, issue, but uh, out of my law office. However, the majority of women who were serving sentences in the federal system were there because of the policies created under the 1994 Crime Act that landed them on a prison bunk for decades um, for uh, drug convictions and were caught in this wide cast net under conspiracy. And so those are uh, two uh, issues that we don't really quite talk about or understand uh, the issue of women in general and incarceration and what policies that uh, were passed that would not have passed today um, uh, led to the increase in incarceration of women. Um, also, the effect that the incarceration of women, particularly from black communities, has had on the uh, disruption in our families, the disruption in our uh, economics in our communities um, uh, that came at the uh, heels of uh, the war on drugs and the intentional incarceration of black men. Um, and, and prior to that, women had been entangled in the criminal legal system because we were the ones who were caring 
uh, for the communities and the men and standing in the gap from the lack of resources and investment in our communities because uh, it, it, since 1996 to 2008 in this country, a, a new prison was built every 10 days, and it was filled across this country, state, uh, uh, county jails, and federal prisons filled with Black people from Black communities around this country. So uh, uh, women were holding that up, the, the, what was left of the support in our communities, and then they began to become the fastest growing incarceration population in the country. We don't talk about that. No, we don't at all. And uh, it's interesting. Remember, we have a conversation about incarceration, mass incarceration in this country. We tend to see images even on television shows on, you know, in in the media. We see images of men when we talk about uh, the uh, when we talk about prisons and incarceration. We see a lot of uh, images of men. Um, your organization uh, is is uh, very, very active in getting Joe Biden in his first 50 days in office, which was March this month. Uh, and, you know, there have been a lot of executive orders on private facilities, uh, racial inju- racial justice measures and things like that. Uh, but you're saying that he's been relatively quiet on the issue uh, about uh, clemency, granting clemency to women. And uh, you, uh, he recently announced that, President Biden recently announced that he wants to grant clemency to 100 women within his first 100 days of office. Can you talk a little bit about that and how your organization is playing a role in that? Well, certainly we knew the importance um, of the first 100 days in any new president's uh, administration. It sets the trajectory uh, for the work that they intend on making a priority. And for us, we knew we worked very hard and we were very uh, uh, um, intentional about our work under President Obama's administration with his clemency project. Um, uh, and we were instrumental in pushing out uh, just a lot of women who were serving these draconian, including life with no parole, uh, drug conviction sentences. And there were lots of women who were still left behind. Our campaign uh, coordinator, Danielle Metz, was the last woman that we were able and instrumental in pushing out under President Obama's administration. Well, we know that President Biden, because he was a pot, he was the vice president under that absolutely important initiative, understands the importance of correcting some of the criminal justice uh, missteps in the past that led to this mass incarceration, this uptick in incarceration of women, particularly Black women. And so we knew that we had to step up and raise our voices and actually present a plan for the, the president's first 100 days that in addition to climate and in addition to the other uh, 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 priorities that he has carved out, immigration, that we also remind President Biden uh, that racial justice, which was one of his executive orders of focus on racial justice and healing in this country, has to include clemency. And that clemency is racial justice. Clemency is a way that President Biden can stand up and uh, speak to the throngs of Black women, Black formerly incarcerated women, that after the prior president, uh, we knew that we had to do something significant um, to turn this around to a racial justice issue and to begin to speak out to say, we stand with you, President Biden. 
we supported your campaign because we believed you when you said that racial justice would be at the center of your presidency. But we want you to also understand that we are the same women who supported you that are saying clemency is racial justice. It is one of the easiest ways with a stroke of a pen that you can correct some of the misjustice that these women are enduring. These women that are on our 100 100 women list for a consideration of 100 women to be freed through clemency in his first 100 days are women that have been buried in federal prisons for decades. They are there for drug convictions, and most of them are there uh, because of clemency, uh, because of conspiracy. And we don't quite understand what that means, but but for conspiracy, uh, uh, prosecutors could not uh, legitimize the prosecution, the indictments, the prosecution, the incarceration, and the lengths of sentences, including mandatory minimums, that many of these women received because this wide net uh, that was allowed because of conspiracy was cast and they were caught up in that net. And so um, we're, we're, we're asking President Biden in his first hundred days uh, to please uh, demonstrate uh, to us that he understands that clemency is racial justice. And it's a tool that should not be used just as a gift at the end of a presidency. Um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to use this tool, this executive power, that he doesn't have to wait to use to demonstrate that he does understand that clemency is racial justice. Absolutely. I just want to make a quick, quick correction on my behalf. I uh, misspoke. The National Council is actually uh, campaigning, uh, advocating for President Biden to grant clemency uh, to 100 women within the first 100 days. Just want to make that correction on my behalf. I misspoke. Um, one of the questions I did want to ask you also is a lot of people are listening to this and hearing this and hearing about this. Um, and I want you to explain something. Uh, there's a difference between clemency and pardon. And while, while, while it might be kind of simple, I, I want you to explain the difference between that because we see that happen a lot of times. Presidents give pardons and presidents also give clemency. What's the difference between the two? Clemency is a tool that's an executive power that is uh, used to end the current incarceration, uh, the holding of a person's body within a prison. That that commutation, those terms are used interchangeably, clemency and commutation, allows a president or a governor, if it's a state, to say, I am going to provide relief to this person to grant them clemency, which will allow them to come out of the prison. It doesn't exonerate them. It doesn't uh, clear away even any additional requirements that keep them bound to the state or federal uh, 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 criminal legal system uh, under President Obama's uh, clemency project, for instance, many people, over a thousand people were granted clemency. However, they still have and are still enduring significant uh, ties to the criminal legal system through uh, federal probation. Uh, we eradicated federal parole many years ago. So there's something called supervised release. They, they still have requirements. Some of them are still on lifetime parole, for instance. Um, a pardon is something that is granted to somebody post-incarceration. It is granted to people who have been out of prison and they're petitioning to the president, for instance, and President 
in, in the president's case, to uh, grant them a pardon, which means you are actually admitting to your transgression, but you are pardoned from all of the repercussions and consequences and fallout from that. It wipes your slate clean so that you get back your Second Amendment rights, for instance. You are cleared of, of restitution that may have come out of uh, a particular case. You're cleared of the conviction and having a record of conviction uh, where it just kind of wipes the slate clean. It's the timing that is the difference. Clemency is uh, 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 an action that the president has the power to do with the stroke of a pen for people who are currently incarcerated to end that, sec that segment, that part of their uh, incarceration that will allow them to come out of prison, uh, regardless of whether there are stipulations still uh, put a placed upon them. A pardon is something that uh, there's a process where once you are out of prison, you can apply that will exonerate you from the transgression and from the conviction. All right. Um, your organization does a lot of advocacy work, obviously, for uh, incarcerated women and formerly incarcerated women. I want you to talk about the conditions that we're seeing in our uh, women's prisons right now. And I'll use the example of Edna Mann Correctional Facility in New Jersey, who has, you know, that facility has a uninterrupted, well-documented history. Um, in fact, the U.S. Justice Department said that there's an open secret of sexual misconduct in that prison. And that's just one. Uh, can you speak on that and what issues we're having? Because obviously this is something that's going on that maybe not a lot of people know about, but recently kind of broke because of what's happening at Edna Mann. But tell us about what, what conditions we're seeing in our in our women's prisons. Well, listen, we always say that we, there was a pandemic inside of women's prisons long before the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. And that that pandemic was was sexual abuse. It was the perpetuation of trauma. A prison will never be a place for a woman or a girl to heal and advance her life. Prisons cause further harm. Prisons cause further, further trauma, particularly in the lives of women, where we have an upwards of 85 percent of currently incarcerated women who are victims of sexual violence. Many starting from childhood, from when they were girls. That was unaddressed. That mm. was untreated. Uh, that was unrecognized. That was even unacknowledged. Uh, for, for a number of reasons, particularly in black women and in young black girls, where we are uh, always entangled in this issue of, of fighting to stop the adulteration of black girls and their trauma from sexual abuse uh, not being treated and, 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 and uh, acknowledged um, as trauma, needing uh, significant attention. Resources have not been applied to that. The work of Monique Morris and her book Push Out uh, just explains that to us in the Black Women's Justice Institute. They focus on this work. But so, so, so why women land on a prison bunk um, are, are reasons that we don't talk about and have created um, uh, just increased trauma, sending them into the culture of incarceration, which is the problem. The culture of we can build shiny new prisons and say that we can build trauma-informed prisons now, which is what the kind of going um, uh, talk is amongst uh, state governors and prison builders. But the fact of the matter is there is no trauma-informed prison, and we need to keep women in our communities, and we have created these alternatives and these better solutions. But to get to your point, the, the, the horrors that we have heard from the reports from the Justice Department, not only at Edna Mann, we could talk about Lowell, 
the horrors mm-hmm. of happening with our uh, incredible work down in Florida uh, with Deborah Bennett and our, our organizing space, Change Comes Now, attacking and bringing, rising to the forefront of the issues of the trauma and the sexual violence and abuse that happens to women who are incarcerated in Lowell Prison as well in Florida and Edna Man. But I'm going to tell you, this happens in every single prison, every single jail wow. in this country. Wow. This is not an anomaly. This is not something that is just a one-off. You have a culture where men are prison guards who are abusing women psychologically, emotionally, and physically. And that is a pattern. That is why prisons will never be the answer and will never begin to get us on a track where women can begin to heal and advance their lives. And women are in vulnerable positions where many of them are just simply desperate to speak to their children, to uh, communicate with their families. They need feminine hygiene products. They have cultural products that are necessary that they can only purchase on commissary if commissary even provides for those things. Mm. Um, Prisons are destitute places that rob people of their dignity. And when women are in those situations, oftentimes they become vulnerable to the advances of prison guards who very well know that they wield and hold the power within that place. Uh, and, and they, women are uh, uh, victimized uh, 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 in many ways. This is an ongoing, daily occurrence across the country. I have to tell you, when I, when I was reporting on what happened or what is happening uh, at Ed Demand, I was just mortified with just the, not only the details, um, and just to give you all an idea, there were 31 correctional officers, correctional staff members, I should say, that were suspended actually uh, earlier this year, I think probably in February or January, uh, because of sexual abuse uh, that had been going on in the facility for such a long time. I mean, we're talking about issues that have been going back to the 90s uh, at Edna Man, And again, that's just one prison uh, that, that is experiencing that. And you're saying that this is happening at all of our uh, women's prisons across the country, which is just absolutely mind-boggling so i guess the question is what are the next steps here because you you want president biden to grant clemency to 100 women uh within his first 100 days um and and what what are your steps going forward to try and get that done uh and i think you know and even more women you know getting clemency what are your steps going forward yeah i mean we certainly have 100 women that uh are are attached to to that number who are real women with names and 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 time behind them significant time decades in federal prison women who are sick 30 of our women on that 100 women list are women who are uh in coswell which is the medical facility in in uh for the federal system the the excuse me the medical prison in the in the federal system and these women are sick they're terminally ill they're in various stages, some of them stage four cancer. If you just go to the federal prison at Carswell, you will just see uh, floor after floor of women who are literally dying. No need to continue to keep these women. And 30 of our women on that list are women who are significantly sick. We have long timers like Michelle West, who has been in prison for almost 30 years for a drug conspiracy conviction. Michelle wow. deserves opportunity to come out. You know, we have Laz, um, who is uh, the same situation. We could tick off. So the number 100 was only is only important because it is we we made an effort to get our issue in there when we didn't hear anything about criminal justice reform or abolition or ending incarceration. 
We wanted to uh, come up with the first 100-day plan for President Biden as well. But as you said, the first 100-day campaign is an ongoing campaign. We started this work under President Obama's administration, and we fought like heck, and we Mm -hmm. pushed lots of women out as a result of our work. But that work needs to continue now under President Biden. Valerie Jarrett already uh, helped us to understand under President uh, Obama's administration how important it is to center women in this uh, 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 observation and use of the tool of clemency. And, and in, the, in, in centering women, particularly black women, in understanding what needs to happen to significantly change this and transform our criminal legal system in this country. So the first 100, day, 100 women in the first 100 days, we are, we're, we're pleading with President Biden to, to show the country that he understands that clemency is racial justice. He can really set uh, the tone a significant tone. Uh, and I think he should, because there are other factions uh, that aren't democratic who are pretending to care about this issue, using issues like clemency and criminal justice reform uh, uh, in a very politicized way. And I think that we uh, need to understand uh, that um, this current administration needs to do it in an earnest way, uh, not as a way to just create a poster person for clemency, but to actually uproot uh, 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 decades of an injustice that these women have already, they have skin in the game. It's not, they've been in prison for decades. Uh, they deserve a chance to come home. And we are asking him, but our campaign will continue like it did under President Obama. It will continue for as long as President Biden is in office. But we're saying, why wait? This is not a gift. This is a tool that you have been you have been gifted with, President Biden. And you need to use that tool as the president of the United States to correct these injustices and allow these women to return to their families, to their children who are young adults now. Some of them have children of their own Mm. as long as like Mikel West, Michelle West's daughter. These women are, are, uh, have, have grandchildren now. Uh, it just does not make any sense any longer. And the president has actually said that he will begin commutations under his administration. And he narrowed it to drug convictions. Fine. Fine. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of women who are serving uh, uh, drug conviction sentences. Uh, let, let us provide you with those opportunities and the help. Um, to center you in those women and to bring them home. Let's bring Michelle West home. 30 mm. years in prison on a drug conspiracy case is really long enough. Her daughter, Michelle West, is fighting for her mother's life. And what better time to do it during a pandemic yeah. where, we have actu- where people have actually died in prisons because of the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, when we think of uh, clemency and, and pardons, and of course, the first image that comes to my mind when when I saw this first image that came to my mind was Alice Marie Johnson, who served 21 years in prison. But that's just one woman. You're saying that there are lots more women, a lot more women who are going through the same thing, just like 
Alice Marie Johnson who who need the opportunity to be able to uh, to get out and 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 get that clemency. Um, someone listening to this might have a relative or parent or someone that they know uh, who's going through this. You know, I always say incarceration impacts a whole family. Uh, for whatever reason, someone goes to prison, it impacts a whole family. It doesn't just impact that one person; it impacts so many people. Um, and I just want to know from you, what's the best way someone can get in touch with you? Because I know, for example, I get a lot of calls from folks at the Amsterdam News uh, for people, just in general, men or women, uh, about issues happening with incarceration from both sides, men and women. But what's the best way that folks can join you, can get in touch with you if they're interested in joining your fight or if they're needing help? What's the best way they can get in touch with you? Just have them email us at info at thecouncil.us info at thecouncil.us and just let us know we receive just uh, boxes of letters every day no letter we have entire teams that work on clemency that work on these issues and so no letter goes unread or unopened we allocate it to whoever is the right team that should address the issue that is in the letters we are in every single federal prison every month. We have a newsletter that goes out. If you have an incarcerated woman in mm-hmm. the federal system, let us know. It also goes into several state prisons around the country, but it goes into every single federal prison um, in the country. So um, th- this, these are ways. Info at the council.us and um, just, you know, let us know what the situation is or give us the name and, and federal number of the woman that you're concerned about. Um, We will do everything, and we have. We have never wavered in our goal. Our goal from the time that in the prison yard in Danbury, Connecticut, was to end the incarceration of women and girls. That has never changed for us, even when it was not popular, even before the uptick in in conversation around abolition. That was our goal, and we mean it. And we we will continue to work on these pieces until we can get there, starting with the first 100-day campaign. Please, President Biden, hear us. We've supported you. There's lots of us. There's lots of people in the black community that stood up because of your issues around criminal justice reform. And we believe you and we want to support you. And you can start supporting us by recognizing that clemency is racial justice. All right. Well, I just want to say to you, I think the work that you're doing is absolutely amazing. You're advocating for for people that oftentimes don't have a voice. And I commend you for that. Thank you so, so much for doing the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We thank the Amsterdam News for caring about this issue. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes this week's podcast. You can pick up the latest edition of the New York Amsterdam News on newsstands and get updates online at AmsterdamNews.com. You can also keep up with us on Facebook at NY Amsterdam News and follow us on Twitter at NY Am News. I'm Cyril Josh Barker. Thanks for listening. <laughs>